So you want to be a filmmaker? Well, listen up. Raw Fusion. Welcome to the King B's Raw Fusion Podcast. It's been a long time. I should have left you. Without a strong show to flip to Now think of how many weeks shows you slept through uh, Time's up, I'm about to bless you with another season Another reason To cut on the TV and start the cheesing To get up on the phone and go call your friends And let them know the King B's Raw Fusion begins to sit on back And enjoy yourself, I'll be your company baby If you need a little help, I took off for a while To revise the plan, got my focus on So I can check out the scam and open up my team Eliminate the fake And when got me a beat from Bobby Drake And now I'm back And it's better than you ever saw But enough talk Let's get raw A typical night at the club Let's get raw You don't want to fall in love Let's get raw You got the fusion in your blood Let's get raw Into my ladies and my thugs Let's get raw Into the haters on the scene Let's get raw Don't be mad cause we got green Let's get raw You should be trying to make the team Let's get raw Cause we taking everything Hey, it is Super Producer Lisa Ian. You know what time it is right now. That's right. It's time for Raw Fusion with the one and only wonderful host, my man, King B. Yo, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? King B right here. And welcome back or welcome to, if this is your first time, to King B's Raw Fusion. And if it is your first time, where the hell have you been? You have a lot of things that you can listen to to get caught up. But however it goes, we're glad you're here. We got another great show here planned for you today. Now, this guy and I got to go way, 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 way back. Chicago times, you know what I'm saying? When I was first starting out as an actor a long time ago, uh, we're not going to say how long, though. (laughs) A while ago, when I was first starting out as an actor, I, I ran to him and uh, his partner at the time, they were doing a film. And this film was called One Week. And the cool thing about it is, even though I didn't end up doing the film, I was happy to see that it did so well. We're gonna talk about that, but, and he just uh, finished with another series that he's doing. He's killing it out there in Southern California. But right now he's back here with uh, someone from the crib Chicago. No doubt. Um, representing right now. Here he is, Kenny Young. What's up, brother? How you feeling? Yo, man? King B. What's up, brother? It's an honor and a pleasure to be here, brother. Very proud of what you're doing. Thank you, man. And I'm proud of what you're doing, too. It's really good to see someone from the land who is doing something very, very positive and just murking the game, man. So that's, that's great. I always like to see that. Hey, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. For sure. For sure. For sure. Now, I wanna, let's, let's take it back. And shout out to Carl. Yeah, Carl Seaton. He directed one week. That's my my partner who started out together. Carl Seaton doing big right. things these days. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we'll get him on the show too. I always remembered you guys as Kenny and Carl. <laughs> Many people did. Many people did, yeah. <laughs> All right. So how did you get started in this whole business, man? Wow. Well, I started, um, I started as a kid actor in theater in Chicago, man. I was on the theater scene in the beginning. Um, as a kid. And then uh, in, in college, like I kind of chilled a little in high school. I mean, I did, it was, didn't seem as cool to be doing plays at the time, but I did still do some plays and theater and I became a theater major. 
And I went away to school at first and I came back and I went to Columbia College and I was in their theater department. They had an awesome theater department. But many of the guys from their film department would come to the theater department to recruit actors. So that's how I was first bitten by the film bug, by being recruited by one of the guys from the film department. Uh, and I came and did his film and that led to doing other films with other guys in the film department. And at the same time, my brother Carl Seaton was uh, matriculating back to Chicago. He had been away at school and wanted to be a film major and ended up at Columbia also. So then we were just kind of really taken aback by the whole Columbia film scene and just the, you know, the growing Chicago independent film scene at the time. You know, this is like early 90s. So it was just really popping, a great time to really kind of get in the game. And, and we started, Carl and I started doing, uh, well, first we like wrote a couple of scripts, tried to send those out, didn't get any interest. Then we started uh, shooting short films. And that kind of naturally led to us shooting one week. And that's when our brother Phil James, who, who went on to produce most of my films, he came on board with us. So we all, you know, we all started, we were all uh, members of the same fraternity, Cap Alpha Psi. That's how we knew each other. But we all began working okay. together. And uh, yeah, and then we got one week done. And when we finished one week, uh, we shot one week, 35 millimeter. It was so hard, so expensive to get uh, features done at that time. Um, and we didn't have enough money to uh, edit it, to go into post-production. But at the same time, we had been sending some of our short films out to, you know, little festivals and little events out in L.A. And uh, there was a brother who since passed, uh, Eugene Williams, that was out in L.A. And he used to do an event called uh, Doughboy's Dozens, where they would screen mm -hmm. short films. And we sent one of our shorts there. And this is the same time Carl and I, we're working, Phil, we're all working like odd jobs to raise money to edit one week. And Robert Townsend happened to come to Doughboy's Dozens here in L.A. the night our film was screening. And we couldn't even afford to attend. I mean, we were there. We were back in Chicago grinding, trying to raise money for posts. And Robert Townsend saw our short and really liked it and reached out to us. And it just blew our minds, man. That was like a life changer for us because Robert Townsend was one of our cinematic heroes, for real. And he's a brother from the crib, yeah. you know. So from he Chicago. was huge. Yeah, absolutely. From the West Side. So when he reached out to us uh, and he came to Chicago and met with us, man. He hired us to write a script for him. I mean, I don't think that script was ever produced, but the money that he paid us to write that script is what we used to finish one week. And with his, you know, advice and stuff, that's when we kind of headed out to LA, brother. And that's where the journey sort of began. So that was the beginning for us. Humble beginnings. Wow. And, and let me tell you something. One week, it was really good to see in the industry that someone independently could could spin and do a run. People don't understand how difficult it is oh, wow. to actually get a run. Yeah. <laughs> we do premieres all the damn time. Yeah. It's easy. We buy the theater out one night and uh, usually comes out of our pockets and, and then we hype it up, sell tickets, whatever, and, and, and that's how it goes. But to actually get a run, that's, that's kind of difficult, man. So shout out to that. How'd you, how'd you finagle that situation? Well, we were fortunate, man. Uh, we um, what really, really put one week on the map was the uh, the American Black Film Festival, which was the Acapulco Black Film Festival at the time. When uh, all our brothers and sisters would go to Acapulco and screen their films, um, and we took one week there, and we had no intention of anything really big happening. I mean, this was a small film, no stars. It's about a guy who finds out one week before his wedding he might have contracted HIV. You know, so it kind of had a specific subject matter. We took the film down there just hoping to see if, if we can meet one person, we can meet an agent or 
anyone, uh, uh, someone to hire us to write a script. We didn't expect really one week itself to do anything, just the opportunity of us being there to meet people. Mm-hmm. But we ended up winning the festival. You know, we won the festival. And then when we, at the time, we had just moved to L.A. We'd only been in L.A. not even a year yet. Mm-hmm. But by the time when we came back from Acapulco, man, every studio in town had called us, like Universal, like Miramax, New Line Cinema. I mean, everybody wow. was calling us when we came back. I won't go into great t- detail, but we made a lot of mistakes. You know, we made a lot of mistakes from that as far as like there were companies that wanted us. We kind of, you know, it, it's funny when you don't know the game and you get some and you do something that kind of gets some a little bit of buzz, mm-hmm. you think the window opens and it's going to just stay open. Right. You don't realize that, you know, in this game, once the window opens, it slowly starts to close. Mm-hmm. And it's up to you to kind of keep the window open. Mm-hmm. But we were kind of taking our time and things. But luckily for us, the man who runs the American Black Film Festival, Jeff Friday, really believed in one week. And he was forming a distribution company himself called Film Life. Mm. And he distributed one week through Film Life. So that's how we got it in the, in the theaters. Oh, And that was a battle within itself. And I'll never forget, I think I, I shared this with you. Right in the very beginning, oh wait, well, as far as the theatrical release, we were fortunate. We did a, a lot of cities, D.C., New York, uh, 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 Atlanta, you know, Chicago, all the major cities where, you know, it's a big black population. We played there. And we actually were doing very well in those cities. But the thing was, with the theatrical release, you know, if you don't like pack it out, they're already scheduling another movie for the next week, you mm-hmm. know. And with our film, it was we didn't have the big money for marketing. So it was we relied heavily on word of mouth, radio, things like that. Mm-hmm. So in those in these theaters, we would open pretty modest. But then it, as it started to grow, they had already rescheduled it. So it was hard for us to stay in cities. We stayed in Chicago for a long time. We stayed in Atlanta for a long time. D.C. showed us a lot of love. But overall, and the other thing was with Jeff, he couldn't get the theaters to give him the money back right away. Mm. So we didn't have long money to just let it sit in theaters and just, you know, keep it moving. We needed the money back to keep, you know, keep putting back to the kitty to keep it pushing. But that wasn't, you know, that wasn't the case. And I remember this conversation we had and it just shows how so many times we we're afraid to think out of the box or we don't want to think out the box because we want to be like everyone else. I want to be validated for the traditional routes. Right. But we were discussing um, in the very beginning with Jeff Friday, either trying to push this out theatrically or treat this like a, like a gospel play. Like we take it around city to city and market it, market it in each city and hit the city and maybe hit one night mm. or two nights and get the money and keep it moving. Like taking it on a movie tour. Right. And I'll be honest, myself, Carl and Phil, you know, we all grew up going to the theater with the popcorn. We wanted our movie in the theaters. Mm-hmm. even though, and So that's what we push for. But in retrospect, and of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. I think that the other route would have served that film better, yeah. you know, in retrospect. And I just say that to say sometimes you have to be OK with going against the grain or, or thinking outside the box or not taking the traditional route, because sometimes trying to take the traditional route may not be what's best for you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the with filmmaking being what it is today, like when I started, the hardest part was getting a film made. Like that was the hardest part. It was so hard to get a film made. If, if you could just get it made, somebody was going to pick it up. Yeah. But now, you know, you you realistically you can shoot a movie on your phone. Mm-hmm. So now getting the film made is not the hard part. Now it's it's finding it and not even distributed. And I'd say because there's so many uh, um, alternatives to just going to the studios and it used to be. 
But now it's just about buying for attention. You know, it's, it's yeah. so much stuff out here with, you know, social media and everything. You're, you're competing with so many things. If you could shoot this film, how do you get eyes on it? Or how do you build a market or a following for it or get fans for it? That seems to be the real struggle these days. Yeah. So um, yeah. I feel like I took a long route to answer your question as far as how we got into theaters. But that's that's how we got into theaters via Jeff Friday. Well, really via the Acapulco Black Film Festival, which really kind of put us on the map in a, in a small way. But it did put us on the map. No, it's dope. That's dope. Before we go on to the future, is one week playing somewhere? Is it streaming somewhere? Is somewhere where people can see it? You know what, man? We oh god, we literally just got the rights to one week back. Okay. So myself and Phil and Carl, we're 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 gonna re-release it and start releasing it ourselves. Okay. So thank you for that, and we'll uh, I'll definitely keep you posted on that. But we're gonna be releasing it. We're thinking about coming and doing because what man, that movie was over twenty years ago. You know, like twenty five years ago. So we were thinking about coming back and maybe doing a. Um, Maybe a screening for it because we're still in contact with all the cast and most of the crew and everybody. Yeah. So we were thinking about doing another release. And it just was a special film for so many people. You know, would it been our first film? Like nearly everyone on board, the cast and crew, it was our first film. Yeah. So to see that go theatrical and do things was really special for us. And it seemed to resonate with a lot of people, you know, with HIV ravaging our community like it did. We felt it was kind of a necessary film at the time. Very, very much so. We'll talk about all of that in a minute. But first, we gotta go pay these bills. This is King B's Raw Fusion. Yeah. Here I am all alone as I stand to my feet. My heart pumps not once but twice within the same beat. I just have to like a variety of partners. I'm not about to go to some funky club to get on some funky dance floor to dance with some funky man. I never used to think about it. Now all I do is. Give me one good reason why we shouldn't enjoy each other's actions. Corona fresh. I don't think so. It, it doesn't feel right. Eric, I know what you do with these women. That has nothing to do with it. That has everything to do with this. The lines have been drawn. The question is, in the end, should I should I not get intimate with my close friend? I'm gonna shave you. I already had a shave. No where I'm gonna shave. Oh no. Watch King B's Intimate Friends streaming now for free on Tubi. Outside of the U.S., then watch King B's Intimate Friends for free on Plex. Hey, it's King B, and if you want to find an easy way to keep up with me, you can go to my website, kingbworldwide.com. That's king, the letter B, worldwide.com. There you can find links to my books, the movies, the podcast, and so much more. That's kingbworldwide.com. See you there. Raw Fusion. All right, we're back. It's King B's Raw Fusion. Today we have filmmaker Kenny Young right here with us, just sharing some of his experiences as a filmmaker. Uh, everyone knows that I I do films, and and I want to now not only just push my films, but also promote great filmmakers, some of which I know, <laughs> and push other people as well. Because as a independent film community, I think that we. It's, it's, it's important for us to stop not working with each other and actually work together and promote each other. So absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to be if, if no one else is going to do it. God damn it. I'm going to do it. So here we God go. God damn it. Can't be <laughs> do it. Absolutely. 
You just finished a series. What's going on with that? Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, it's a series called Cold and Windy that's uh, been airing on WeTV and is currently streaming on All Black. Um, and it takes place in Chicago. It's about a, a a rap, a female rap duo who are trying to maneuver the dangers of the streets and the music industry. And it's, uh, you know, it takes place in a world, a whole drill rap scene. So oh, that's been really exciting, man. That's been really exciting. That's been a a labor of love that we've been very fortunate to see coming. People seem to be really responding to it. So we're very, very happy with it, very pleased. And, and it took a lot of special people to really put their talents and efforts into it to make it happen. What was your role in that? Well, I created the project. I, I, I co-created the project with uh, Phil James and my other brother, uh, Vernon Extreme Brown, who's a very uh, popular producer from Chicago and was one of the people really, uh, really necessary and actually shaping the whole drill scene. Okay. Uh, from a music perspective. So the three of us, um, yeah, that, so I co-created the show. I was uh, one of the showrunners on the show and I wrote three episodes and I directed four episodes. Dope, 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 dope. So we had eight episodes. Yeah, we had eight episodes in total. So you wrote three and you directed half. That's dope, man. Uh, yeah, I directed four, yeah. We were talking about the differences of when starting out as a filmmaker and then moving in today's age and the differences, like you said, it's hard. It was harder back then to get the film made because it was film yeah, for you. It was film mm -hmm. for me. I went the other route and did digital video. Smart and, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know because I'm pretty sure that the look of it holds up better on film than it does now with video, given the the technology that was available at that time. I right at the I, time. Yeah, right. Intimate Friends was my first one as a director. Yeah, I was just checking out on Tubi. Yeah, yeah good stuff, brother. I was, and I can I, you got three films on there, so I'm watching. I can just see the progression as it goes, which is how it's supposed to be. Every yeah. film you learn, you learn your lessons, and you improve on it, and you're definitely doing that. So. Yeah, Proud of you for that, bro. I appreciate it. Yeah, we shot that with a Sony VX2100, which is um, oh, wow. SD. <laughs> HD wasn't even invented back then. And uh, it's, it's literally, it was what it was at the time. So I will say that shooting on film holds up a lot better because the technology has gotten 10 times better. Absolutely. We're up to 12K now. The next 20 wow. years, we'll probably have to be up to 100K. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, that's crazy. How many damn Ks do we need? Well, let's be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the difference then to now with filmmaking, like you said, there's a lot of people doing a lot of things. You've got YouTube. We had Marcus Carruthers on, and he was talking about his take on the accessibility to filmmaking. And then, of course, the lack of respecting the art form because it's so easy right. now to get it made as opposed right. to back then. What's your take on, on this whole situation with so much content out there? Yeah, I, I, I agree with Marcus in a lot of ways. I mean, um, well, well, first of all, I do like that it's accessible to people because, because for so long filmmaking was just inaccessible to us, you know, to so many of us. So I do like that it's accessible, but I do agree with you with it being so accessible. I think a lot of the respect has been lost Mm -hmm. And people think, well, I can just throw this together. And and the, the, the job of a craftsman, of a true craftsman, is to make his craft look easy. Yeah. And people not see all the work and the time and, and you know, and just the burden it takes into getting these done. Mm -hmm. So people don't take that into consideration. And people think, oh, well, I can make a movie myself. And they just kind of throw garbage together 
And then with it with now, with it being more about popularity than quality, right. you know, if you get a lot of views just because it's silly, then people then you consider yourself a very serious filmmaker, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like I remember the time, you know, Carl and I, we started, we were PA, we would be extras on sets. I mean, we did things, we grinded, we wanted to learn from the bottom up and be willing to grind. And right now with the people looking for, you know, such instant rewards for everything, nobody really wants to, I'm making generalizations, of course, not everyone, but it it just seems like the masses are looking for just like that, that immediate, you know, reward for something. I put it out, I want a hundred million views and, you know, it's like no one wants to go to school and not, and I'm not, a big person on you have to go to a film school. When I say go to school, I mean, you get out there and you learn your craft, whether that's you shooting on your phone over and over being experimental, working on sets, like really, really, really walk your dogs, get out there and learn the craft. And most people don't see it as a craft. They almost see it as a hobby that they want to be famous and make a lot of money from. But I think it it, is definitely a craft. And to me, it's a lifetime craft. Because, you know, you're I don't think you ever actually reach mastery. You're always a student of the craft. Mm. And just that humbleness, I think, makes it a more interesting journey. Because, mm. as they say, you know, success is not the destination, but it's the journey It's the person you become along the way. Yeah. So you want to I mean, you want to work for it. You want to learn. You want to go through the rough times and the good times. That's how you emerge a better filmmaker. Yeah. You know, I was uh, speaking to a young lady last night. I've been very open with the reason why. After Hate Love, I kind of stopped making films is because, you know, I had some things going on, real life situations, and then diagnosed with a heart condition. And so now I'm getting myself. Yeah. So now I'm getting myself back into it and getting ready to hopefully start shooting again this year. And so I was talking about the simple fact that I'm looking, I just got some new equipment and I'm researching all of these things, even before the equipment has gotten here physically, just to keep myself abreast to the new technology. And it really is with everything coming out, you know, there's a new camera every year. There's new technology every year, you know, and and there's several of them, you know, all these companies are competing with each other. So you just really have to continue to learn how to do it technically but the learning, the, the craft of telling a story pretty much stays the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very awesome point, brother. Awesome point. Yeah. I think a, a lot of us get caught up in chasing the technology mm-hmm. and not relying on humanity mm-hmm. because uh, you really just want your audience to make an emotional investment. You want them to you want to present them with a structure that they can understand. You want to give them a theme that they could take away with them. You know, and that has very little to do with the technology itself. The technology is just a tool. Right. I mean, it's really, it's like you said, it's the story itself that's the substance. Yeah. I had someone that uh, came back to me. They were talking to um, somebody who I was talking about doing a film or something they wanted to do. And they were like, yeah, well, I got the same camera the King B got. I said, so? (laughs) <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> you know, it, it, look, uh, everyone can go to any sports store and get a basketball. That does not make you Michael right. Jordan. <laughs> That's Absolutely. you know, just because you buy his shoes doesn't mean you can you can jump and dribble and dunk like Michael Jordan. At some point, you mm-hmm. have to learn how to be a filmmaker. And you have to learn how to be able to tell a story, and you should be passionate about telling the stories. 
and not just seeing it as a money grab thing. And even if you see it as a money grab thing, okay, it's a business. It truly is a business, but you have to be willing to dedicate yourself to the craft of filmmaking. And absolutely in that respect, I think it's great because I know the difficulties that we had starting out doing this thing. I started directing probably a little later than you. Well, that's a question. That's a question. I know you're the interviewer, but uh, how did you get started? Oh, shit, man. I was uh, I was I was an actor right around that time. Didn't you come audition for one week? I was I was supposed to. And then I had some situations that came. We talked about it. And I was supposed to come through, and I had a situation and, and didn't make it to the audition. Uh, wow. Of course, okay. if I had an audition for it, I would have been in it. <clears throat> so you shouldn't know. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put that out there. Oh, the crazy shit about it is there wasn't a thing that I auditioned for that I didn't get. Oh, wow. That's dope. At that point, I had that long track record. It was, I mean, it was, it was only six films, but every one of them, I got it. So... So I was on a little bit of a run there. But yeah, no, uh, that's how I started. I did, I was I was in music first and then got an opportunity to audition. I don't know if they did that film, honestly, but the, so someone there saw me and they put me in touch with Sharon King. Oh, good old cousin Sharon. The old, old <laughs> Sharon, we all know Sharon, right? Yeah, of course, cousin shit. And, uh, and she put me in Reasons. I remember, I remember when they were shooting Reasons. I remember that. Yeah. I was in there with uh, Bernie Mac and, and Lisa Ray and Mel Jackson. And, wow. And uh, when I did the first day, I said, shit, this is what this is? Oh, yeah. I'm going to keep, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And that was it, man. Oh, wow. You got bit by the bug. Yeah. That was it. One first day. Yeah. And then, um, wow. and then I realized the game and the people behind the scenes had the power, not the people smiling in front of the camera. And so I wrote mm-hmm. uh, Soap Opera Temptations, which the book right now is on Amazon, Confessions of a Dead Man, The Rise of Menashua Johnson. You can get it right now on uh, Amazon. Shameless plug. Check that. Uh, and uh-huh. um, and we did the soap opera. And that's kind of how it started. Then it, I was at Cable Access doing that. And then three years later, we were on PBS, uh, WTTW, oh, uh, Channel dope, 11, man. Chicago. Yeah. Then a couple seasons there, and uh, I did my first film, which was Intimate Friends. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Crazy yeah. journey. The hero's journey. That's what's up, brother. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's crazy how this shit happens, but, you know, it is what yeah, it, it is. is. And I'm five movies in. Mm-hmm. How many movies have you done? Wow. Um, I've directed eight movies. Okay. And then the, and then the series. Yeah. Nice, but I've written, man. For, you know, I ghost wrote. I made my living out here for many years as a ghostwriter, writing scripts for people, not necessarily taking the, the the credit or people I know that had an assignment and didn't have the time or the sensibility to write it. I wrote that for them, and I think that really, really helped me hone my craft. Those just years of ghostwriting too. Well, we're gonna get ghosts for just a little while for these messages, but we will be back with more. Kenny Young, right here on Raw Fusion. Behind many smiles lie a troubling truth. So many people are suffering alone simply because they are too afraid of the stigma associated with mental illness. The road to mental health has no color. It has no age or gender. It's time we take the bull by the horns. It's time we remove the stigma 
and embrace acceptance to release people from their private prisons and give them the help that they need. It could be your relative, your friend, your loved one. It could be you and you don't even know it. It's time to help those in need, but help starts with you. With an acclaimed broadcast television and independent filmmaker at the helm, we are creating a documentary. This documentary will identify the signs, explore the possibilities, help remove the stigma, and clear the path to mental health. By donating, you will help us help others. From $1 to $1,000, no donation is too small. Let's band together to fight this secret enemy that affects us all. Please donate today. You can donate now at GoFundMe.com slash MentalTheMovie. What's up everybody, it's King B, and I want to tell you about my website, KingBWorldwide.com. That's King, the letter B, Worldwide.com. There you can find all sorts of stuff, including links to my book, the movies, and even the podcast there as well. It's KingBWorldwide.com. See you there. Raw Fusion. As a writer, what is the thing that, that you would tell other writers that they should do? and crafting their stories? Well, well, first I would say study the craft because storytelling is truly a craft. Mm-hmm. And um, But what helps me tremendously, KB, what helps me tremendously is giving myself a purpose. Mm. You know, believing believe in how important stories are. Because yeah. as a friend of mine says, stories are the ways that you, human beings make sense of things. Mm-hmm. So and, and we learn things through stories like we don't really remember facts as much as we remember stories and things like that. Right. So I think I truly, truly think stories are vital to to the human race. I truly do. So as a storyteller, mm-hmm. I feel that my purpose is just as strong as like a doctor or a lawyer or a cop or whatever we need or politicians to make the or just average citizen. I believe that storytelling is really important. So if you give yourself a purpose, mm-hmm. every time you sit down to write, and, and with purpose, I, I tie that into themes. Like what theme, what do I want people to take away from this story? Mm-hmm. What message, what universal message am I giving to them? So if you have that, I think you will just innately take the craft more seriously. Mm-hmm. If you see that you have a real purpose in it, and that what you are writing and what you are doing matters in the grand scheme, then that is going to just, like I said, is innately going to give you an added push or added sense of purpose in what you're doing. And you're going to take it much more seriously, seriously, and you're going to cherish and appreciate the process. Yeah, that's great advice. Everything I've ever directed, I've, I've written. So Wow. Yeah, most things I have, too. It's, it's a little challenging when you're directing something you haven't written. I've done that. Most things I've directed, I've written, but I've definitely been hired to direct things that I didn't write. But even with that, it was even more important. Because if you write it, you kind of, well, you should at least like just have that sense of purpose behind it. But if it's not your piece, you have to have find something that connects you to it. Find something where you feel this is important. Why, why is it important for me to tell this particular story? What connects you? What grabs you? What what pulls your attention in? It depends. It's different things. It could be something about a character. It could be something about the the backdrop or the whole the context of the story. It could be anything. I could feel like. This is a story like um, I can relate to this as a black man. I can relate to this as a man. But any story you get, you should be able to just relate to as a person, just on a human level, mm-hmm. because we all have the same emotions and things like that. And if you can tap into that, 
that's how you make your story universal. But I do try to find something in it that just resonates with me. Like if you read it, like what speaks to you? Right. And if nothing in it speaks to you, I would prefer to try to walk away from the project. Yeah. And, and clearly I've been in positions where I had to take jobs because I needed the money. Right. But sometimes when you take the job just for the money, it, it can really it can hurt you in the long run sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not feeling anything, you know, mm-hmm. at least that's for me. You won't be able to put the extra extra oomph into it to make it that extra sauce. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If it's something, if it's a script and I just don't believe in it or, or it's, it's conveying a message that I don't believe in. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm doing myself a disservice to push with that. Yeah. You know, and I don't feel like you have to do everything that comes your way. And that's another thing that people do to hurt their careers. Mm-hmm. They feel they have to take anything and it comes their way. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. Yeah. I, I think if one door, cl- well, I believe it's not even what I think. This is a, a universal fact. When one door closes, another opens. You just have to be able to see it. Right. Right. I agree. And we're going to close the door on this segment, but we're going to open up another door on this next segment right after these messages. This is Raw Fusion. Hey, everybody, it's King B, and I want to tell you about a truly exclusive experience. My cannabis provider, April Flowers Shaitiva, holds an event called Brunch and Blow. There you can have brunch. I'm talking about waffles, turkey sausage, eggs, ash browns, and more. You can choose whether you want it regular or infused. Also, you're able to sample up to eight different strands. You can take an interactive tour of the grow facility. Want more? Well, you'll be able to try or buy infused products such as peach cobbler, banana pudding, rice krispies, and lemonades. Contact April Flowers Shaitiva on Facebook and Instagram at April underscore flowers underscore Shaitiva, C-H-I-T-I-V-A. Check them out on Groupon or to RSVP or scheduling, call 773-456-3860. That's 773-456-3860. Raw Fusion. I'm not opposed to doing a lot of things that people think I am. I will direct something that I didn't write if I resonate with it and think that it needs to be done or the story needs to be told. Stories bother me until I tell them. And people don't get that. They don't understand that. If I if I write something, I'm bothered by it. Or, or even to get me to write it sometimes, the idea will keep bothering me until I've, I've told the story. You know, it's almost like it has its own life. It's like, yo, I need to be told. Wow, that's dope. Yeah, it pushes me because this thing is so difficult and there's so much involved in it. And there's so many times where you just have to push through, even if you don't really want something that I'm very passionate about, like like mm-hmm. this upcoming film about mental health. I think it's important. It's been a long journey just trying to raise the fucking funds for it. The thing about it is, is that it's such an important story that really must be told that I'm still pushing through this this long, arduous process of raising funds for, for films. Raising my, I know that feeling, man. I know that feeling, brother. Well, what you said definitely resonates. You said they kind of, sometimes the stories kind of tell themselves. I, I think they really are organic. At some point, they really do kind of, like if you're writing a script, at some point, the characters just, just start speaking for themselves. Mm. And the story really does start writing itself. It's an organic experience. Mm-hmm. And when you reach that, then you really do feel that you really have tapped into that sense of purpose. Because that's like the universe speaking through you. You know, you're the vessel. So, no, that's a beautiful point, bro. Yeah, man. You know, we've been doing this for a minute, brother, and still haven't worked together. 
What the fuck is going oh, on? Oh man, that's coming, man. The best, the best lays ahead for both of us, man. The best lays ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, I truly believe that. Oh yeah, well, we got to, we got to get together and, and we got to do something, man. It was just a, you know, I'm no just, doubt, man. I'm just curious yeah. with the mind, um, and and uh, and I don't have people that I don't like on my show, so I don't do it just because. You know, when I was on TV, I had to worry about the ratings and all that kind of stuff. And even then, I made some decisions, not pe- putting some well-known people on there just because they were asked. Oh, right on, bro. I feel that. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you representing, and I am. I'm interested just to see what it is. Even if I'm just an actor, well, not just an actor, but if I'm just acting in the film or whatever capacity, just to see what happens when. Great minds get together and come up with something in this business. I think, I think that for me more than anything is what it's about. For me, more now, it's about the collection of a body of work. I mean, when I first started out, as we all do, we had those bright eyes and bushy tails and want to be the most famous person in the world and all that kind of shit. And now, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that that's one of my goals anymore. My goal is to have the, not to sound like Love Jones, but searching for the definitive work. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's real, though. That's real. But it is really just searching and having those experiences on, well, I guess we could call it celluloid just to be nostalgic, but it's not really celluloid. But It's not celluloid (laughs) anymore, but I'm with you. I got got what you're saying. (laughs) Well, for me, it never was. Um, but for you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, and I applaud that because working with film is 10 times more difficult than the shit they have. Oh, yeah, it was, it was a beast. Yeah, man. It was you, a beast. You had to, you had to hope and pray that your DP got it right and that, uh, it turned out right. And, and, and that's another thing that people don't understand. Uh, even when I started on television, I started back in the days where they had to jog and shuttle to edit tape to tape. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, oh, man. that's old school. Yeah. Those uh, Steinbeck machines. Yeah, that's old school, bro. It's, <laughs> my God. Yeah, that's gr- I mean, that's great training, I thought. I thought that was great training. And yeah. having to learn all those things, again, sort of forced you to respect it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because it was so easy to mess things up. You had to really have respect for what you were doing and respect for the craftsmen around you who were helping you with the process. You're right. You're right. Those are the good days. I think it pushed you mentally it because did. you were always trying to, to outdo the machine. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. Push it to its yep. limitations. Now, there's absolutely no way you can do that. I, I believe. I just honestly believe. this is It's nothing I don't think that you can't do in film now. But back then, you know, you were pushing it to its limitations. I pushed that Sony VX2100 to its limitations at that point. And now, like the camera that I've got coming now, shit. <laughs> you can do anything, huh? <laughs> I can do anything. That's the thing. And, and, and you said earlier that it, it kind of ties into that. It's like with all these toys at our disposal, mm-hmm. it's like, how do we still stay true to just telling a great story? Because it's very easy mm-hmm. to get caught up in, in using the toys. And movies come out every day that's full of effects we go see them and you walk out not feeling anything because mm-hmm. it's just a lot of fluff yeah. you know what i'm saying no substance yeah. so especially for our community man it's like with all the materialism and all the stuff that's happening we need things that are really going to speak to the substance uh, of us as a people and us as a community 
So I think we have to, we especially have to be diligent to not kind of, you know, start believing the hype, falling for the okie doke and start just trying to chase what everybody else is getting, you know, chasing and and just sending out these messages that are hollow. Mm. You know, that hurts us. Mm. That hurts us. And we seem to respond to these messages even more than most. Mm. So it's very important that we kind of, you know, stand guard of what messages we're, you know, as storytellers and as filmmakers, what stories we're putting out there. Use our powers for good. And I'm proud of you. Oh, my God. With great power comes great responsibility. Hey, I'm proud of you, too, brother. We, we, you know, we two soldiers in the same struggle. So that's it. That's what's up. Let's get it together, man. Let's make something soon. Hey, man, it's written, brother. It's already (laughs) written. We're going to make that happen, man. But 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 sincerely, man, I'm very proud of what you're doing. I'm very proud of this format you have here to allow people to kind of speak. And that inspires people. You know, I, I love panels and podcasts. I listen all the time. So and I'm now a fan of your show. So, you know. Keep doing what you're doing. You're reaching more people than you realize. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I truly yeah, do. That's and I appreciate up. you for coming through, man. For sure. Hey, man. Thank you for having me, brother. We got to do it again. All right, for sure. It's time to talk some shit with King B on the King B's Raw Fusion Podcast. Brought to you by King B's Hate Love. Now streaming for free on Tubi. Being a filmmaker or just about any craft takes time to develop, to learn, to get better. And do we ever get to the point where we know it all? Hmm. Some say yes, some say no. But it's about the journey. It's about improvement. It's about getting started, learning as you go, and making a win in the end. So if you're looking to be a filmmaker or start your business or whatever it is that you really want to do, stop making excuses. Start. You might mess up in the beginning. That's fine, too. It's about growth. And as long as you're growing every time out, you're winning. I'm King B. And this is is raw fusion raw fusion, raw fusion.